I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The FT. New rules for pensions come in next week, but are pension providers ready for them? Performance fees on investment funds are on the rise, but should you pay them? And buying a house could get easier after pre-contracts before exchanging are introduced. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Alice Ross and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Joe Combo. Hello. Tanya Paley. Hi. And our special studio guest, Ed Moyson, Head of UK Research at Lipper. Hello. So let's start with the money news. Big changes to the way people can invest in pensions and take their retirement income come into force next week. The amount you can save each year into a pension with tax relief will fall from 255,000 a year to just 50,000 a year. Tax charges on pensions that are passed down to heirs will fall for those over 75, but will rise for those under 75. Advisers expect the new rules will have the most dramatic effect on higher earners, with some likely to be worse off, but others benefiting from greater flexibility. So, Joe, how big a change is this, and is the pensions industry ready for it? Well, there's going to be a raft of big changes um, from next Wednesday, and you've mentioned a few of them there, but also the um, compulsion to buy an annuity at the age of 75, that's going to be scrapped as well. Um, the other big change you mentioned was the contribution limit uh, dropping from 255 to 50,000 per year, but also new income drawdown rules um, are coming in. We're going to say goodbye to USP and ASP and hello to cap drawdown and to flexible drawdown. Now, this is the area. Flexible drawdown is quite a radical change because it means that if you get flexible drawdown, you can make unlimited withdrawals from your pot. You can raid it. You can't do that now because you're stuck with income limits. So this is the change uh, that many providers are not offering um, across the market. So this new flexible drawdown um, option is going to be probably most attractive to wealthy people that can afford to raid their pension pot? Well, you need to meet a minimum income requirement to be eligible for flexible drawdown, that is to have a secure income outside drawdown of at least £20,000 per year. That could be from an occupational pension or from your state uh, pension as well as a lifetime annuity. So you need to be fairly um, secure mm. with other income as well before you can start getting into your, to your drawdown pot. But not all providers are offering this. They don't have to offer flexible drawdown. It's not a requirement. Cap drawdown is because 
USP is moving to Cap Drawdown. So if you're in Drawdown now, you'll be in Cap Drawdown from April 6 or, or eventually get there when you have your income review. But flexible drawdown is something that the rules are still being um, finalised by the revenue Mm. and this is causing a few problems for some providers who want to wait until the Finance Act is enacted with um, royal assent at the end of July. They want to hold off um, until that's been passed. They're just a bit nervous about allowing customers or clients or members to raid their pension funds and potentially facing an un- unauthorised borrowing charge if there is any small tweaks I see. To, the, so, to the rules. So is anyone offering flexible yes, drawdown? Yes, there, okay. there is a split in the market. Mm. There's about six providers who have said, yes, we're doing this from mm. April 6th. If you want to take as much money as you want from your fund from Wednesday, you can do it. Uh, but they tend to be the smaller specialist SIP providers. They're more nimble. They've been able to update their systems to offer flexible drawdown. And what you see um, with the bigger providers like Aviva, the insurers, they're more focused on cap drawdown. They'll offer it later on in the year. They want to hold off to see how the market is moving. But also some providers like James Hay are saying that we're going to wait. Look, we'll set it up for you, but we won't give you your payments until the Finance Act is given royal assent, probably in July. So just quickly then, if you do want to raid your pension pot uh, straight away from April the 6th, who should you go with? Well, <laughs> I'm not suggesting you do this, but these are the names of uh, definitely doing it. We've got AJ Bell, Hargraves Lansdowne, LV, Rowan Moore, Sip Deal and Sip Centre. Okay, so some fairly names. You need, you names need to pass the MIR. You need to be able to have that 20,000 um, minimum income requirement test uh, passed as well before you can do that. So that sounds like relatively good news. A bit more flexibility, albeit with lower contributions of just 50,000 from April the 6th. Thanks very much for that, Joe. For more on pensions and how to plan your retirement effectively, look out for Joe's article in this weekend's FT Money with the Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. And if you have any specific questions on your pensions this week, next Wednesday, FT Money is running a live Q&A with pensions expert Tong McPhail of Hargreaves Lansdowne. To send in your questions, go to ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, why buying a house might get easier. First, though, fund performance fees. This week, new research has found that only a third of financial advisors do not expect performance fees on investment funds to rise this year. But nearly half of the financial advisors interviewed by Scandia, the life company, said they would pull their clients out of funds that pay an extra bonus to the manager if he outperforms his benchmark. With fund managers struggling to maintain their margins after commission for financial advisors is banned from 2013, many experts expect performance fees to become the norm. I'm here with Ed Moyson at Lipper. Ed, surely investors should expect their fund manager to outperform the benchmark. Why should they pay him any extra for just doing his job? I suppose the principle of the thing is that a performance fee incentivizes the manager to perform that much better. Mm. Um, but but yes, I mean, certainly, even if the numbers are rising, which is, is clearly the case, there's still a relatively small number of funds which do have a performance fee structure. So if you don't like the look of it, then... Um, it's easy to avoid. Mm. So for now, you have the option to get out. And why are performance fees um, expected to rise so much in the next couple of years? What are the pressures? Well, we mentioned this retail distribution review. That's a potential impact if the revenue which fund companies are getting is not 
the way they've received it previously, then maybe they want to be looking for additional sources of revenue. Sure, that's one reason. Mm. I think one of the broader issues which has given this impetus more recently is the rise of these so-called absolute return funds. Mm. Um, and they're, rather than following the sort of the standard equity fund fee structure, some of them are looking to the hedge fund industry for sort of industry norms on fees. And for hedge funds, performance fees are, are standard. And so there's been some sort of knock-on effect there into the absolute return world. Does it tend to work in the same way? Because I know hedge funds have this 2 and 20 structure, so, you know, a general 2% annual charge and then 20% of any outperformance. Is that what's happening with the absolute return funds as well? Yeah, I mean, when the FSA lifted the ban on performance fees for open-ended funds in 2004, obviously, for a lot of people, the expectation, or the hope anyway, was that retail fund management companies would maybe set their management fee not at 2%, as hedge funds typically do, but at 1.5%, which is normal, or maybe less than the average. And so the performance fee would just be in a potential additional payment. But mm. um, generally, so far, they've set their management fee at the industry uh, the industry norm, so 1.5%, if not more. And then the performance fee is, is a bonus all the way for fund management companies. Mm. So um, there's been there's, certainly it's not exactly the same as hedge funds, but it's in some cases it's really pretty close. Yeah. Which really does beg the question, I think, if, you know, if the fees are exactly the same at a fund with or without performance fees, why would you go with the one with performance mm. fees? But there is some, um, some good news in that uh, uh, fund managers are already starting to launch funds that do actually have a lower base level of annual management charge. We've seen Schroeder's and JP Morgan just in the past month or two um, come out with funds that have significantly lower charges. I think the JP Morgan one had something like 0.4% a year, which is obviously a lot lower than the typical 1.5%. but they do have performance fees, but they're starting from a lower base. So do you think that that could be good news for investors? Yeah, I mean, tr- traditionally, if you were a cost-sensitive investor, you wanted to invest in a mutual fund, you'd have to choose f- for an index tracking product. That would be the way to go. And it probably is still the, the most obvious route for a cost-sensitive investor. The appeal of this, absolutely, is that we're talking about actively managed funds with much, much lower fees. And particularly on that JP Morgan fund, for example, the performance fee is even capped at a a relatively small level. Mm. So even if they do achieve their performance benchmarks, then the overall impact on your returns is still going to be very limited. So... Mm. Uh, Absolutely. For me, this is a really interesting development that the industry so far, all cost pressures have come on the passive side on index tracking. This is the, you know, it's maybe a sign that maybe, you know, it's it's going to roll into the active managed side as well. I mean, mm. it's very very early days, but uh, it's it's an encouraging sign. Yeah, mm. and we're not expecting the UK to go down the route of say the US and I think Norway is the only other country that does this. But but they have um, a system fulcrum fees where if you um, have a performance fee, so you pay someone to outperform, then if you underperform the benchmark, you have to take away some of the annual costs, which seems like quite a fair system to me. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, it's actually, it's not that common in the States, but absolutely, it's, it's set up currently performance fees in the UK and in the rest of Europe are a one-way bet in the vast majority mm. of cases that there's only an upside for a fund management company. The fulcrum fee, exactly as you say, it balances. So if the fund underperforms, then it reduces the fees which you're paying. And if it outperforms, then they get extra revenue. It's The logic of it is, is quite appealing, absolutely. Mm. Well, we'll see if uh, the fund management industry um, decides to go down that route, although yeah. it is unlikely. looking unlikely for now. Yeah. Thanks very much for that, Ed. And for full details of what you can do about performance fees, read my article in the FT Money section this weekend and on our website, ft.com forward slash money.
Finally today, why pre-contracts might make it easier for you to buy a house. With lenders still demanding large deposits and first-time buyers finding it difficult to get a foot on the housing ladder, the last thing most people need is for a deal to fall through. But under current rules, both buyer and seller are free to pull out of a deal at any time before the exchange of contracts, putting buyers at risk of being gazumped and sellers at the risk of being gazundered. Now, a campaign by the E Home Buying Forum has said it will press ahead with plans to reform the system and offer sellers and buyers a form of pre-contract. Tanya, you've been looking at these proposals. How could a, a pre-contract help the current situation? Well, actually, offering、um, pre-contracts at the point of offer would help speed up the home buying process and actually provide greater certainty to both buyers and sellers.、Um, I was actually speaking to、um, Peter Bolton King,、um, who heads up the National Association of Estate Agents, this morning, and he was saying to me the biggest complaint he gets from buyers and sellers is just this lack of certainty in the market—the、mm. fact that you just don't know, any, I mean, basically, at any point up to the point of exchange. Buyer or seller could pull out at any point, and you know, with whatever reason, it doesn't have to be any kind of valid, proper reason. They can just, you know, they don't fancy it, not going to go through.、Um, and at, actually, at the moment, on average, about one in three sales do fall through.、Um, and it was quite interesting. I had a、um, email from a guy in Scotland who was saying he was quite surprised to read that figure that actually one、mm. in three transactions fall through. And that shows because actually Scotland has a very different system to us. They already do these kind of pre-contracts at the point of offer,、mm. and so it seems that obviously they have a bit more of a faster process and actually. Greater certainty as a result. And how does it work,、um, perhaps in Scotland, or how, how would it work in England with a pre-contract? Would you have to sign a pre-contract, or would it just be an option? Well, because this has been industry-led,、um, it wouldn't be mandatory.、Mm. Um, they've basically a lot of people I've been speaking to about who've been leading this、um, movement have said that the government's not very keen to actually regulate the、um, residential market any further than actually what they do now. So there was a review last year, the、um, Office of Fair Trading, which basically loosely regulates the sector,、um, undertook a Year-long study of、um, of the market, and actually last year didn't really make any any significant changes.、Um, so I think because it's going to be industry-led, it's more of a, something that will be provided as an option to buyers and sellers. So it's really going to have to have a full buy-in from estate agents and solicitors. Across the UK or across England and Wales, to actually say this is going to be something that they're going to in, like offer to、um, buyers and sellers when they come to them. I suppose that's a potential problem. Then, if you if it's not mandatory, it's maybe it's yet another bargaining tool when you're putting in an offer. Because what if one? What if the buyer wants the pre-contract and the seller doesn't, or something? I suppose you'd have to work that out. This is the thing. I think this is where actually、um, it'll be interesting to see how what kind of standard.、Um, What kind of standard contracts are going to be introduced by this body? And、um, also, I mean, what we've got in England is often a large chain of buyers in the process.、Mm. And also, there's the question of, say, if one buyer falls through, I mean, that's going to obviously affect the other buyers down the line. So,、mm. I think what needs to be discussed quite significantly with the industry is what are going to be the clauses within the contract to say what are the get-outs? You know, if it's not their fault, they shouldn't be penalised. They shouldn't lose their deposit if they put down deposits part of this、um, standard contract agreement.、Um, There needs to be some kind of, you know, actually kind of quite simple, straightforward, and fair clauses that should be put into the contract.、Mm. And just finally, Tanya, when might any of this come into effect? How long is it going to take the industry to decide all of this? Well, so Brian Carsberg, who's、um, actually the one who he's the president of the Home Buying Forum and、um, a former director actually of the Office of Fair Trading, he's the one who's actually kind of leading this movement. And、mm. he said to me that he hopes, you know, the next stage really will be to research other countries' models, so places like Australia, US,、um, Canada, and I think lots of Scandinavian countries actually do it. So they're going to look for a standard contract, which obviously is going to require quite a bit of discussion. So I think it's going to be several months. Yet before actually there can be any kind of way of 
you know, introducing these type of contracts. Okay, but we could see something by the end of the year, maybe. I think that he's hopeful. I mean, mm. it's something that he's very passionate about, and it seems to be. I mean, I spoke to Ricks and National Association of State Agents, and they're all actually quite keen on the idea. It just really depends on what actually, you know, as always, devil's in the detail. That's what it comes down to. Okay, so finally, some good news for home buyers. Thank you for that, Tanya. And if you'd like to know more about pre-contracts and how they might work, look out for Tanya's article in FT Money this weekend. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And this week only, if you have any questions about your pension, email them to be answered in our special Q&A next Wednesday to ask at ft.com. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Joe, Tanya and our special guest, Ed Moyson from Lipper. Bye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.